Welcome back to Primetime Kansas City. Today it's just going to be me and John on the podcast as Josh has missed yet another one. His attendance this summer has not been very good for those of you that actively listen. We're going to go over the Chiefs today, some of uh, the Orlando Browns stuff that's gone down. He did not sign an extension, so he's going to be playing under the franchise tag this year. We're going to talk about that, what we think about him turning down the extension the Chiefs offered. We'll talk about the Royals. Some of the young guys got to play due to the um, players, the 10 players that chose not to get vaccinated. We'll talk about what we saw out of them and also talk about uh, what we think is going to happen with those 10 players now, especially some of the trade pieces that might have gotten affected by not being vaccinated on the trade market. And then we're going to do a little MLB thing since it is the All-Star break. It's the All-Star game as we're recording this. Um, we're going to do contender, pretender, some of the teams that are in the middle of the standings. We're going to see, uh, we're going to predict what ends up happening to them in the second half of the season. So, John, um, let's go ahead and start this thing off with the Orlando Brown news because it's the most local, important news that we've had probably all summer. Um, Orlando Brown turned down reportedly a six-year, $139 million extension from the Chiefs. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, my thoughts are a little bit mixed. I want to say when this first came out, I was a lot more concerned because the line of logic I was following was that if he's insane enough to turn down that deal, then he's also going to hold out this year. Um, and I no longer think that's a possibility. Orlando Brown's made barely like three, $4 million uh, salary wise in his whole career. Um, and he's due to make like 20 million. So if he does um, hold out outside of like training camp, like I'm sure he's going to miss some of training camp. Um, Cause that's just usually the way these things go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating um, mainly because this is a guy who really isn't a a top five player at his position he's no he's elite don't get me wrong but he, he probably doesn't even sit top five of all the nfl's left tackles no um but in the midst of all of that uh he turns down what i want to say is like the most lucrative deal of all time for left tackles um like this is more than what trent williams got um albeit trey or not trey orlando is younger but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit confusing. It seems like he's biting off a little more than he can chew because, simply put, I mean, this is a little unprecedented for a player of his caliber to be offered money like that um, and for him to turn it down as well. So, yeah, a little, little confusing. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's first reaction when they saw the report of the deal that he turned down was kind of like, how on earth did you turn that down? Like, how do you not take that deal? Uh, it's mm-hmm. such a big contract and it's one that if he signed i know a lot of people would have been like the chiefs massively overpaid for orlando brown there would have been a crowd that would have argued that yeah exactly exactly nobody would have argued like dang the chiefs got a good deal nobody would have said that if he signed that that's where i kind of come in and i'm like well why didn't he sign this thing because like it's not like he's getting a bad deal like six years as an offensive lineman granted you can be cut but six years as an offensive lineman is really insane it's you don't get many of those offers you don't really get uh that much security as an offensive tackle in this league normally only quarterbacks really get that security so for him to turn that down was really interesting to me um he's really betting on himself i mean i don't know if this happens a year from now he's done he's you know played through the franchise tag for one he can be franchise tagged again that's a thing you can do you can franchise tag the same guy twice The Washington did it with Kirk Cousins for ultimately letting him go. So that could happen again. Or, you know, maybe he signs a deal that, you know, makes more sense. But I can't see him a year from now getting a better deal than he just got offered. I can't see that happening. Unless another left tackle gets, like, a market-breaking deal. I don't know. And I don't think there will be one because you talked about it. Trent Williams already signed. David Bakhtiari of the Packers is probably the second best left tackle in football when healthy. He already signed a deal. You've got uh, Teron Armstead just signed with the Dolphins, a left tackle. So you're talking about the premier left tackles in the game all just signed. So it's not like the market, it it shouldn't get reset at least between now and next offseason. Really the only left tackle that's due to get paid is Orlando Brown. So I don't really see how he would get much more next offseason than he'd get now. But... I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think part of the reason that they turned it down was it was kind of front-loaded and there wasn't much security later in the deal. But still, 
I mean, that, that's a really good deal if you're Orlando Brown. Like you said, he's probably not a top five left tackle. He's a top 10 guy. He's probably in that 7 to 10 range, but he's not top five. And it's, you know, the Chiefs gave him top two money. So it, you know, I, I would have to side on the side of the Chiefs here saying like, yeah, we're not going to reset the entire left tackle market for Orlando Brown as much as we may like him. Yeah, and I mean, I think you kind of you kind of said it too. Is that you know, at, on the surface level, the deal that he turned down probably would have been mocked as an overpay. Um, so it's really difficult for us to think we can find this middle ground here. The other thing that I think isn't talked about a ton is isn't this like the first full season he played as a left tackle? Yes, um, he was predominantly right tackle in Baltimore. Um, so one season of left tackle. I mean, look, he played well. I don't think anybody in Kansas City has complaints about Orlando Brown's performance. Um, no. And as far as us giving up what we gave up for him, it was fine. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think I think the deal that was offered in front of him was entirely fair for him. It, you can't you can't have both um, guaranteed money, uh, a long long ass deal with yeah. extremely high average per year salaries. You're not going to get all of that and guaranteed money um, unless you know you are one of those Aaron Donald next level next level performer guys, mm-hmm. and he really just isn't quite that. It, no. It's he's not there. Look, I mean, the Chiefs, like I, like we've talked about, were willing to overpay him mostly because mm-hmm. I, you ask Brett Veach. I don't think Brett Veach views Orlando Brown as a top three left tackle in football. Probably not. But he was willing to pay him like one, at least for now, before, you know, down the line, obviously that'll change. But for now, he was willing to pay him that. And so the fact that Orlando Brown turns that down, I just don't see what Orlando Brown is like. I don't see from his side what he's doing. The only logical thing would be like he doesn't want to play in Kansas City, but that doesn't make any sense because why wouldn't you want to play in Kansas City? It, it, you know, the way that the team's constructed, you're protecting the best quarterback in football. Why would you not want to? Like, I, nothing really, I, I don't know. This, to me, kind of feels more of like an agent taking control of this situation than Orlando Brown. Because it'd be hard to believe that if Orlando Brown got offered this contract straight up, he would say no. Especially, like I said, to play for the Chiefs and contend for a Super Bowl every single year while getting paid this. I, something behind the scenes his agent, something they believe they can get something bigger elsewhere on the market. They have to, or else they don't turn yeah. it down. And he's one of those players with um, family members at the center of his entourage, I believe. Like, I think I've even mm. seen his dad make comments about that. And I mean, I can't say for sure what they're influencing. I'm not in the negotiations, but there's definitely a noticeable pattern across sports with players that have representation yeah. that is strongly influenced by family. Uh, the other the other thing I'd like to say about it too is you talking about Brett Veach knowing that this guy isn't a top three left tackle, isn't a top five left tackle, um, is that, I mean, he's a little more valuable to us than he is to everybody else, right? Because we gave up a first round pick for right. him. This is kind of the guy that we've said is going to be our left tackle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of me thinks that the money that we gave to him, uh, that he turned down, I don't even know if there are other teams that would give him that. Um and, you know, the ones that would, I feel like, probably aren't very well run. So then you have to look at how much he values winning. Yeah. There's just a lot of things that are confusing here. And I mean, look, it's not a pressing issue now because he's going to play on the tag and that's that's that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I really think that a tag and trade might be in his future because if we couldn't find the middle ground with the, the money that we offered him, it's hard to imagine us finding it again and i mean yeah. i wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs said screw it we'll take our chances with the first round left tackle you see that's with what whatever I was talk about capital was if a year from now these negotiations stay the same i don't know if you could trade orlando brown for a first round pick like he got maybe if he plays, oh you're not getting a first absolutely maybe if he plays not really unless well he has an amazing year. year yeah but regardless you could trade him and use the pick you trade him or use another pick to get a left tackle um, and the dude out of Kentucky is Kennard is his name. Um, is that his name, John? Yeah, Darian Kennard. Can he play tackle? So he's predominantly right tackle, as far as I know. Yeah. And I mean, as much as I want to say, oh, he could slide over. I feel like usually when you have guys coming in that 
like are set as right tackles. Yeah. It's kind of a stretch to see them at left tackle. Yeah. It's just you know such an important what position. What happened with Orlando Brown? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, maybe it depends on the quality that you get from Kennard, but we still have to remember that he was what like an early fifth round pick or late fourth. So yeah, yeah. there's there's a little bit of time to see how that plays yeah, out. And then but, I think you'd also go to can Nyang play left tackle at all? I don't know. Nyang hasn't really gotten a lot of reps. Um, yeah, but, yeah. The the thing I know about Nyang at least is that he's versatile, right? Like I'm pretty sure he can play tackle and guard. So I don't know how much that translates to right left, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think there's plenty. Of, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be, um, you know, trying to convert someone, right? When the yeah. time comes, they have to protect Patrick Mahomes. If it's going to be Orlando Brown, it'll be Orlando Brown. Mm. If it isn't, I'm sure it's not somebody on the roster right now. Um, well, look, look how so, fast that they were able to plug all the holes on the offensive line when they had to. I just think when you look at it, they can like they went from Fisher to Brown in like a month. They upgraded with Tooney, they upgraded with Creed Humphrey, they upgraded with yeah. Trey Smith. It's not like this is, you know, and people are like, well, you know, you got to pay him because he protects the quarterback. I'm like, look, you will overpay for a quarterback and you will do whatever you have to do to keep a quarterback because it's so damn hard to find. And in a sense, you know, a good left tackle is hard to find, but it's it's not so hard to find that you're going to completely go into cap hell to do it. Like you will go yeah. into cap hell to make sure you keep a guy like Patrick Mahomes, like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, whatever you have to do, you will go into cap hell if you have to do that. A lot of teams do. You're not going into cap hell to keep Orlando Brown. You're not doing it. And it's not necessarily that they would go into cap hell with this deal, but it's a gigantic deal. And when you've given out gigantic deals to Mahomes, to Chris Jones, to um, Travis Kelsey's even on a big deal, you know, and I'm sure that there's going to be more big deals coming up, especially Brett has to think about this too. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, both yep. going to probably, you know, they're going to be at the same time. They're probably both going to want a pretty pretty nice deal. Uh, you look at the defensive side of the ball, Legereus Sneed's probably going to want to get paid something. Uh, you look at Nick Bolton, how good he was as a rookie. Eventually, you're going to have to pay him. Uh, if Willie Gay continues to get better, you're going to have to pay him. It's just a lot of guys yeah. that you got to keep in mind when you're negotiating this that – is Orlando Brown worth more than keeping three or four of those guys? And to, to me, no, but you know, that we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, if there's one nice thing about um, the 2019 draft, not being all that great, it's that we don't have to worry about a lot of those guys right now, right. because I don't think anyone's freaking out too much about Michael Hardman. I think Rashad Fenton might be the, the yeah, most Fenton, important Thornhill piece. And Michael would be interesting to see what they do with those guys. But yeah, yeah. The twenty the twenty twenty one class is the one that's obviously very fresh, but that class is gonna be you would assume Bolton, Humphrey, and Trey Smith, all three of those guys are gonna get paid pretty pretty yeah. nicely and, when that comes up. And I don't wanna, you know, get too ahead of ourselves here, but right. you definitely at some point are gonna think there's a very high possibility one of those players gets traded, right? Like if if things are being managed correctly, that is a lot of a lot of talent coming back as a veteran. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, if they stay at the level that those three were at this year, continue to progress as we expect them to, it's going to be difficult to keep them around, but that's all right because they're stuck with us for the foreseeable future. Years, so yeah. they have yeah. they're on contract for three more years, all of them. Yep. Uh, it's a tough thing though, about not having a first round pick because you don't get the fifth round option or the fifth year option on any of them. Yeah. Which, which again is what you talked about with Orlando Brown, where I said, well, people are acting like the Chiefs have all the leverage. Well, Orlando Brown has a little leverage, too, at the same time. You give up a first-round pick for this guy. You didn't do that to have him as a, um, as just a plug-and-play, as a filler for the next guy. Yeah. You, you paid him to be the guy, or you gave up that to be the guy now. You and be the guy and to be the, the guy future. for the future. You yeah, want him? Yeah. He's what twenty five right now, twenty six. You didn't make that trade in the sense of like, well, he'd probably give us a good one, two years. You you made that in the hopes that he'd give you six, seven good years. And so, the Chiefs, I feel like, do have a little bit of pressure to get something done with him because when you give up a first round pick for anybody, there's a lot of pressure to make that work. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But that's really all in Chiefs news right now that there really is. Um, we're getting a little closer to training camp and stuff will start arising. But right now, kind of dead for the Chiefs. Not much going on. Um, so let's yeah. go ahead and move across 
the Truman Sports Complex to Kaufman with the Royals, who are heading into the break at 36 and 56. Um, they lost three out of four in Toronto, but more importantly than that, um, we got to see a lot of the young guys, guys like Nick Prado, Michael Massey, Nick Eaton, uh, even Angel Zerpa pitched well in the opening game of the series. Uh, what was your overall impression with the guys we got to see this weekend in Toronto? Yeah, um, you know, that was the one good thing that came out of the absolute mess that was this this situation, right. um, is that there were a lot of guys that we got to see. Um, you know, it, it was extremely nice to see Nick Prado, for one, and he had a pretty good series, multiple extra base hits, um, he was making defensive plays, um, you know, around hitting-wise, I think Prado was the only one that, like, it's actually believable that he's major league ready at the moment, right? Um, you know, maybe you can make an argument for some of those other guys in there. But, yeah, yeah, Angel Zerpa had the good outing. And you know what? At the end of the day, man, it's, it was just nice to see people that, um, you know, wanted to get after it. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was despite us losing three or four, uh, it was a somewhat entertaining series. And it yeah. really sucked that that Joel Piamps had completely shit himself. Have you ever seen, do you know who French Montana is? Yeah, yeah. I remember you said he's a French Montana lookalike. <laughs> he is. I didn't even notice it until this weekend. But and now that's like my favorite thing to say about him. Look, it's, <laughs> it's pretty frustrating. Um, it is just like, I mean, to I don't know. It's like, first of all, you got to, it's like you get a taste of these guys, right? And that's what sucks the most is like, they were good. They fought hard. They really performed pretty well considering how good Toronto is compared to the talent level of them. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you look at it and they're all they're already back down. And you're like, damn, like, I want, I want those guys back up. I want to see those guys play. Because while Merrifield and Taylor and Benintendi might be better hitters right now as a, as a whole – you don't get that excitement with them. And it's nothing against them, but they're not a part of your long-term future. They're not a part of the plans going forward, like Prado and Massey and the rest of those guys were. So it, it kind of sucks to see them go back down, but it was fun to see them get to play. Yeah, and I mean, I would also say that at this point, my enjoyment with them also is kind of against them. Like, I just, with the whole situation, man, it, I'm ready yeah. for all of these guys that are on the block to get moved um because you know i think i think the the relationship with kansas city is over at this point right we had the the embarrassing series um and they should have been traded well before that Mm -hmm. um so yeah we are just kind of in a weird um floating state with them but i agree like it'll just be better even if we're going to be a worse team results wise um getting those guys out will yeah. just be a step in the right direction. And you'd like to hope that, you know, there will be some some nice value in return for them as well. Maybe some guys that we can see towards the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I personally am – I don't know if it's a formality that Nick Prado got sent down, um, but I truly do not understand uh, continuing to throw him into AAA at this point. <laughs> like, might as well just get him those MLB at-bats. There's nothing, no harm is being done by playing him. Um, like, just come on, let let's do it. Like he he hit a he had some rips and he has like he is fully defensively major league ready. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it was a little annoying to see him sent down. Yeah, I feel like that was the sentiment around around all the fans. It's just kind of like. It was like a breath of fresh air. It was like the most exciting baseball we've seen in a long time because of who those guys are and just, you know, how exciting prospects they are right now. Um, see him get sent down is a little unfortunate. But, you know, I have a feeling Prado and maybe some other of the guys will be back up pretty shortly after these trade line or trade deadline deals go down. Uh, what do you think about the trade value for guys like Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor, and Whit Merrifield? Do you think it changes all that much with the non-vaccinated standpoint because we had heard that the Yankees were interested in Taylor and Benintendi, but now with both of them not being vaccinated, uh, when you look at 
you know, that they probably have to play in Toronto. There's going to be big games in Toronto for any AL East team down the stretch. Do you think it really hinders their trade package? Do you think it really hurts them? I mean, I imagine it does to at least some extent. Whether or not, like, it's actually going to damage the return that we can get, I can't, like, you know, confirm or deny that. Um, It's just irritating mainly because I feel like most of the rumors we heard surrounding these guys was AL East. Um, and like that just like is hilarious now because like you, especially a a team like, you know, maybe the Orioles could be buyers as well. Right. They, they especially cannot have players that are going to miss regular season games. Like a couple of the teams in that division are still like competing to confirm their playoff position. Um, and obviously the blue Jays can't trade for them. Um, not that they were necessarily who we were hoping for. Um, but, you know, there are teams across the league. But, yeah, there was the one Heyman report that, like, the Yankees really wanted. I think I think Ben Attendee or Michael A. Taylor, one of the two. And that, like, their interest is pretty much gone now. Um, so whether that's smoke or not, I don't know. But at the very least, it's, a, it's pretty irritating. And it's like, I, just, I want this to be done. Like, get them moved on, please. That would be great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of that, uh, in the trade deadline coming up, we're going to do a little thing called contender or pretender. Uh, I'm not going to ask about obvious ones like the Yankees or the Dodgers. We are all pretty well aware that those teams are contenders and that well, they will probably be representing their leagues in the World Series unless they choke. But some other teams we're going to talk about. So let's go ahead. Start this off. We'll start off in the American League with Toronto. They're 50 and 43 at the deadline or at, at the All Star break. Uh, do you think they're a contender or pretender going into the second half? I mean, I think you have to stick with any team that has uh, the bats that they have as a contender. I can't really speak to the consistency of their pitching. I know I, I think that's something they've struggled with a little bit. Um, but, you know, the AL East, with the way that it is, especially now that the Orioles are playing the way that they are, um, you know, you very well could see the Blue Jays somehow stumble out of the playoffs. Um, but I I think they'll make their way in. I'll, I'll give them contender status. I'm going to give them contender as well. I think, obviously, the bats are really good. And then the pitching side, uh, I think Alex Manoa is one of the best pitchers in the league. Alex Manoa, that is. Um, yeah. You've got Kevin Gosman, who's been really good this year for them, a sub-3 ERA. And then you've got... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm completely blanking. Jose Barreos. So you've got three pretty good arms in the rotation. I think the, you know they did fire their manager. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but I do think Toronto's better than the record is right now. I think they've underperformed. It's hard to imagine that you know, like you said, that that lineup won't make the playoffs. It's just too good of a lineup at this point to not make the post the postseason. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, another AL East team, the Red Sox, are 48 and 45. Uh, what are you thinking with them? You know, part of me wants to go pretender on the Red Sox. I don't know why. Um, out of all the teams in this division, I think I fancy them the least. Um, I think part of that is absolutely due to the fact that they're the Red Sox. Um, and it would just be more fun for the Orioles or, I mean, God, even Tampa Bay to be good. Um, but at the same time, they've had a pretty nice little rebirth season. Uh, Rafael Devers has been, like, absolutely ridiculous uh, up until this point. He's put up, like, four war already. Um, so, yeah, they they kind of fall into the same boat as Toronto where it's, like, their their bats are a little bit too good. And their, their pitching staff all around is relatively well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to end up calling everyone in the AL East a contender. I'm like, going pretender on Boston. Um, okay. Pitching-wise, it's not good enough. It's just not. Sale can't stay healthy. Yeah. Just got back. Mm-hmm. Broke his freaking pinky. I mean, it's just not good enough on the pitching side for Boston. Also, this year, we're at the deadline. Or not the deadline. I keep saying that. We're at the break. Boston has not won one series in the division. They're 0-10-1. Like, really? It, yeah, it's just like they're, I can't see them competing. for the, the lineup's fine. Bogarts, Devers, like you said. These guys in the lineup are good. But... The pitching side of it, man, it just is not good enough. I don't think that they're good enough to make the playoffs. I don't think they're good enough to compete with anybody top tier. Um, another team we'll hit on in the East, the Rays. They're 51-41. and 41. 
I, I again, I'm gonna go contender. I just don't doubt Tampa. I it doesn't make a yeah. ton of sense ever. They never have that much talent, but I just do not doubt them. Yep, that's my take exactly. I mean, they continuously with like not extremely high payrolls just are good. Like they've been good every year for the past like three, four years, yeah. um, or maybe even five. I know there was like a year they were really good and just missed the playoffs. Um, yeah, they they have their their coaching staff slash front office knows something that most front offices <laughs> don't. Yeah, um, and yeah, I just. Like like you said, I'm I'm not gonna doubt them. I bet you they end up making the playoffs. I bet you they end up past the wild card round. Um, I was gonna say they're a team that I could see giving fits to either Houston or the Yankees. I could see them giving either of those teams bad series. They could really challenge them. And then the final team yeah. in the American League East that we're gonna talk about is the Orioles at 46 and 46. It's been a wild ass first half. Uh, somehow they are 500. Makes no sense. Uh, contender or pretender with Baltimore right now? You know what? I'm calling a, a pretender because I'm salty as hell at them. Um, that their rebuild's working. Yeah, like <laughs> I went to um, I went to like Orioles Phillies spring training and like before I did that, I like listened to like an MLB podcast and like Tim Kirchner at the time or Buster only one of the two was like talking about like how like Baltimore is like embarrassing. Like they besides Cedric Mullins, like they are a complete mess. Like Chris Owings was like expected to like actually get at bats and shit. Um, and then lo and behold, they, they go on like a 10 game win streak and they're at 500. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just a little bit, I'm a little bit salty. I always thought we'd turn it around before the Orioles did. Um, but that, that unfortunately is not the case. Um, but to be honest, I don't know enough about them, but I you know baseball's weird so who knows. I'm going to go pretender on him as well. I like him. I like the story. It's fun. Um but you know it, it does suck like you said we started rebuilding the same year. 2018 we both started. Uh and they were worse from 18 to 21. They were a joke. They lost I don't even think they won 50 games one year, but they're they're starting to turn it around. Adley Rutschman looks really good. Um they still got their top prospects in the minors too with Grayson Rodriguez and other guys. So it is, it's interesting. Um, I think they're solid, but I just, yeah, I, I'm not going to buy into it. I think ultimately they will finish under 500, but it's not to take anything away from them. They're pretty good for considering what they were supposed to be. Like you said, uh, nobody saw this team being even close to competitive this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So in the central, I mean, the guy, the central is just a joke. Um, the twins at 50 and 44. What do you think of them? They're in first place right now. Well, they're gonna win the division. Aren't you think they, like, so? Gonna... I, you know, I actually do. I think that they can uh, hold on. Um, I, I, I am very suspicious of the rest of this division. I think a lot of them are just mid, and I think the the Twins are kind of the team that has it going right now. Um, there will only be one team coming out of this division. Yes. That is pretty much guaranteed. Um. But you know, man, who knows? It 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 kind of baffles me that the White Sox haven't turned it. Jeez, can I talk? Haven't turned it on up to this point. Um, so yeah, who knows? Uh, but I'll, I'll give them contender status. They 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 have had a messy, messy long time, and I think maybe maybe this is the year that they shit house to something better than people expect. I'm gonna go pretender here. Um, just not a huge fan of it. I like Buxton. I like Luisa Rise. I think they have a good lineup. Not a huge fan of the pitching. I just I think they're pretty mediocre, and they might end up winning the Central, but it's not going to be impressively. It's going to probably be with less than ninety wins. Uh, I mean, not to, not that we're in any position to talk about being impressive in the Central, but I just don't think that they're that good of a team. I think they're okay. I think they're doing. Obviously, last year they were terrible, and they've turned it around, but. I just don't really think they're built to beat any of the top dogs in the American League right now. Um, second in the Central right now are the Guardians, and I'm just going to go complete pretender on this one. I don't think anybody's really arguing that they're contending. They're 46 and 44. I I don't see it with them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the thing with the AL Central right now. Like You have a lot of teams that are either like on the way down 
are teams that kind of have been on the up and up, but have kind of stalled out. And I think uh, the Guardians are one of those teams that are on the way down here, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's honestly weird because in a lot of ways, I don't understand how we're so much worse than the rest of this division because these teams really aren't that good. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, they're definitely pretenders. Yeah. Um, third is the White Sox at 46 and 46. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it. I'm sticking with this team. I think they win the Central. I think they end up going on a really good run in the second half of the season. I don't. Yeah. I, I, there's just so much talent here. How are they 500? They should be up there with the freaking Astros and Yankees right now. They are way too good to be 46 and 46. Yeah, I probably agree with you. Um, I feel like maybe they should have fired Tony LaRusso already. Yeah, it wouldn't um, hurt. Yeah, like, I he's don't know how joke. he's still hanging out. He's a joke. Because they're, they, I think that, like, I always, whenever a team fires a manager, I'm always like, oh, like, sure, their roster's better than ours, but, like, they have a winning record. Like, Tony LaRusso, really, Makes I would have thought would be one decisions. of those coaches to be fired. Like, I always see shit about him maybe it's just because of chicago um and he's like a million years old <laughs> so i'm just like inclined to be against him uh and he coached the cardinals yeah so, and he, yeah I, the funniest thing is i don't get it he's so anti-intentional walk but this season he's done it twice once did he do it you know he's done it twice after throwing a pitch to the batter which i don't think i've seen any other team do where he threw this past week, he threw a singular pitch to Jose Ramirez. He fouled it off. It was 0-1, and he just intentionally walked him. Like, what the hell? Like, is what is that? But he is like so anti-intentional walk at the same time. Like, he hates that. He's like, it's not. It's like you should try and get a guy out. I don't know what the hell's going on with the White Sox. Some interesting decisions have been made by Larusa this first half of the season for sure. Yeah, he's wacky. But he's I'm wacky. going contender. I still think they're too good. I just think. They're going to piece it together in the second half of the season. Yeah, and you know what? I would honestly probably be willing to jump on your train that they'll win the division, uh, even though they're kind of a mess. They're, there's too much talent there. They're only three and games out of first. I mean, it's... Yeah, and it's it's a bit of a step in the back direct, the wrong direction for them because they were good last year. They were like, damn good actually. last year, yeah. Yeah. Um, last, last team we're going to talk about in the American League is the Mariners, who are on a 14-game winning streak going into the All-Star break. We talked about this whenever they traded for Carlos Santana, how you were kind of like, why the Mariners? Why would they trade for him? Uh, it, apparently, they knew something because that team has turned it around completely. They're 51-42 and 42 at the deadline. This team, when they started this 14-game winning streak, was under 500. They, I mean, they, it's been an incredible run for Seattle. Do you think they're contending or pretending? Oh, I'm giving them contending status. Um, I like Carlos Santana's numbers since he's been traded there. Like he's been a monster. I mm. don't have them, but it's like he's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he his last ten games with us were like this as well. In fairness to yeah. him, but same thing with Santana yeah, last year, right? Where he last few yeah. games here he raked, and then he goes to Atlanta and rakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that. I'd, I'll give them contender status, and I mean the division they're in isn't terribly difficult. Um, they 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 could be well. It's going to be hard for them to come for Houston, but they definitely can slip into a wild card spot right there, and they can beat up on those bottom feeders uh, in the rest of the AL West. Well, you because, also got to remember, there's two wild cards this year. Actually, no, there's three wild cards. Yeah, there's me. three wild cards. There's an yeah, extra one. Exactly. Yeah. The, right I think now, they can beat out the fourth and fifth place AL East teams. Well, they're so. in right now. Right now, Tampa has the first wild card. Seattle has the second, and Toronto has the third. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you look at the teams trailing, it's Boston, the Guardians, the Orioles. Like the, These teams are like, eh. It, I could see them hanging on to this easily. They, they, well, and the thing you have to mention about the East, too, is just that like the there's literally not enough wins to go around for them to get all of the spots. Like, they there are, but it would be, like, pretty crazy, um, just given the nature of how baseball is. Which is why I kind of like the new uh, way that they're doing with the National League stuff, because then you don't, you don't well, so, get screwed as much for having a difficult division. Well, so here's – how does the three wild cards work? How does that work? Do you okay. know – so the worst uh, division winner has to play the worst wild card team. 
Wouldn't it be the um, best wild card team? No, the worst wild card team. The and then the best and the second best wild card team play, play each, each other. other. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure all three games are hosted by the higher seed. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's weird, but it's yeah. best two out of three, right? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. I, I do like I do better. like them getting rid of the one game wild card. I do think that's as fun as it, it was is. Sometimes. Extremely entertaining. Like it created for some amazing yeah. games. It's it's yeah. completely unfair. It's and there were a lot of games that were less amazing, you know, like it's oh, completely it like unfair. To, yeah, I, just, I, I just think back to the year where Pittsburgh, Chicago and St. Louis won 197 and 98 games. And like one of those teams got one playoff game. Yeah, it, it's the, just the, like, Pirates the Pirates got, got a playoff, playoff game. game. Like it's that shouldn't happen. You know, when you play this long of a season, when you play this many games, for especially in baseball, where man, it's your pitcher has a bad day and your season's over. Like that's your pitcher throws one bad pitch. With <laughs> for, that's what that's what Cole did. He gave up like a I think a grand slam to Schwarber. He gave up like a something to Schwarber, and that was it. The Pirates didn't even score. So it's you know I do like that aspect of it. Although obviously we're a little biased. The fourteen wildcard game was awesome, but yeah, I do like now that hey I'll like it when the Royals eventually get back to the playoffs as a wild card, and I'm like okay we we at least get two. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, better like, than just getting one. Maybe I think getting rid of making the worst division winner, um, getting a little more pressure on them is nice too. It it yes. creates more incentives for having like a better record. So I'm yeah, because fine with it that. was just worst division winner versus second, and then the first. Yeah. So if you're in like a shit winner. division, you can the, still the be central. punished for the central. Yeah. You're going to get punished. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's what it's going to be. Yeah, um, like it's balanced out this year, absolutely. Because the Central Division winner is going to be far and away the worst division winner. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the National League, though, and do a little more contender pretender. Uh, we've got the Phillies at 49 and 43. What do you think? Um, I'll give them contender. Mm. <laughs> the roster is pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Um, Bryce Harper is continuing to just be a baller. Um, they Also, the Phillies, funny enough, they when they went to Toronto, they would have had like uh, the most people to miss out with five, but they basically just sent two dudes down and were like, "Yep, you're going down." Um, so they mean business over there, contender. Yeah, I'd probably go contender as well. Lineup is stacked, even with Harper injured right now. They've got Schwarber who leads the National League in homers. Uh, Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm. They they're just rake. They rake. They have a great lineup. Uh, and then pitching-wise, Aaron Nola, one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, I think they're a prime team to go after a guy like Barlow. They're a team that could use any bullpen help. And they're 49 and 43. They're they, need an out- they need an outfielder, too. They, they want to put them the package together. Outfielder. I think they do need an outfielder as well. Well, they definitely need one for now because Harper's hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, I don't know what they'll give up, but yeah. Oh, that's right. He got hit, didn't he? Yeah, he's out. And, and, and. I mean, Benintendi plays left, but they since Harper's a left-handed bat, I'm sure that they would take a left-handed bat, and it's a National League yeah. team. So if, if Benintendi goes Benintendi to the Phillies, could don't play, be surprised. Could play center, could he? We'll see. I mean, they probably have somebody ah. else that could play right. It, they probably just need a left. Another team that needs a left-handed bat badly is the Braves. I wouldn't be shocked if they went for Benintendi because they – I mean, they don't have – they literally are so desperate for a left-handed bat, they went and got Robinson Cano. Like, they need left-handed bats bad. <laughs> That's right. They did pick up Robinson Cano. Uh, but I'll go contender for the Phillies. No chance they win that division. Not a chance in hell. But they, they can make oh, the yeah. playoffs. The, the Braves and Mets are too good. I didn't even ask about them. They're both just too damn good. Yeah, both contenders. I don't even need to. The Central, the NL Central is pretty shit just like the AL Central. The Brewers at 50 and 43 are currently leading that division. What do you think of them? Uh, I honestly, man, I don't know if I should speak on the Brewers. I don't know shit about them. That's fair. You, you might, just, you might you want to take can be abs- You can not. Yeah. Look, I, I like Milwaukee. Uh, I think they've underperformed a little bit this year, but I, man, when you have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and, um, well, f- for one, Devin Williams in the bullpen and Josh Hader. But, I mean, just the arms they have alone should make them a contender. Lineup-wise, Yelich hasn't been as great, but he's still been solid. You know, he's been doing his thing. Willie Adamas is okay. Uh, Orlando, they're okay. You know, I don't really know what to say. I don't think 
they're going to do much damage. I'm going to say contender because of the arms, especially in the playoffs, man, because when you get into a do-or-die game, the Brewers have arguably the best guys to put out there with Woodruff and Burns. So I do like Milwaukee, but I don't think they're going to necessarily do a ton of damage. Uh, next, we have the Cardinals at 50-44. and 44. Ah, man. This, to me, comes down to what they do with the trade deadline. Man, I got to give them credit, though. They got some bats. I mean, I know. Between, that's, that's what I'm saying. Between Edmund, Goldschmidt, Arenado, they are like. Well, think about their lineup, man. Their, their infield. You're talking about Arenado, Edmund, Nolan Gorman, who's come up and been insane, and Paul Goldschmidt. And that's just the infield. So you're, you're right about that. My point wasn't going to be about hitting. Mine was going to be about pitching. They need another oh, yeah. starter. And they apparently are looking for two starters, but the starter that they're very in on and the one that they're really trying to get is Frankie Montas of the A's. If they can get him, I think it propels them to not only a contender, but NL Central leaders. I think they'll win the division. Man, I can't believe Adam Wainwright is still out here balling. Balling. Like, Insane. That's that's crazy. He's 40. Yeah. I, I hate the Cardinals, but I got to give him credit because yeah. that is uh, that's impressive. Like that's that's pretty great. Um, bullpen wise, it seems like they're okay. They're not fantastic. Um, we'll have to see with them, but they always worry me, man. Because if you go to Mizzou and you're a Royals fan, yeah. <laughs> you, there's problems that could be a coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, nobody else in that division's worth Oh, and I'll about. give them a contender status just out of like fear. We got two <laughs> We got two more teams to talk about. We got the Padres. Let's start with them. They're 52 and 42. Man, they fell apart last year in the second half, so I'm a little wary of this, but I'm going to go contender mainly because Tatis has not played a single game this year and they're 52 and 42. You'd have to think once Tatis comes back which is probably going to be at some point in August that they're going to be better, right? Yeah, well, you would think so, right? Uh, I mean, baseball's weird. I know I've said that like four times, but you would think so. Um, they've they've kept it, kept it together pretty nicely without him, though. Like, I think, I think 53 and 43 without the guy that they're about to spend like half their payroll on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, the NL wild card is going to get spicy towards the mm-hmm. end between the Cardinals, the, the Padres, uh, Atlanta, and Philly. Like, one of those teams is going to miss it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you w- wouldn't think it'd be Atlanta. Um, Probably not. But, yeah, so. we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to see how that plays out. I'll, I'll give them contender status as well, though. They have a good roster. I like them, too. Musgrove has been really good this year. Um, Darvish is still solid. They've got arms. Um, I, I do think they've got to make some moves at the deadline. One of those moves will maybe be even trading Eric Hosmer. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I like them, though. I think they're going to end up – I don't think they'll fall apart like they did last year. I really don't. Um, and then the final team we're going to talk about today are the San Francisco Giants, who sit at 48-43. and 43. I'll be honest, I kind of feel like they're a pretender. I feel like last year's magic just isn't there this year. They were winning games – kind of at an unreasonable rate last year. Like for how they were constructed for them to have the best record in baseball last year didn't make any sense and they've kind of come back down to earth. Yeah, and I mean I think their playoff performance last year was kind of evidence of that as well. Um yeah, they didn't they win like over 100 games last year. They won um, I think 108 or 109. Yeah, cuz the Dodgers had to play the Cardinals in that wild card game. Yeah. Um yeah. I will I will give them pretender status with you though. They've they've come back to the level that they should be at. Um mm-hmm. and that division is just difficult once again. Um and it's gonna be hard for them to get into the playoffs because there are a lot of teams in front of them. Or a lot of it seems like there are a lot of teams in front of them because the teams that are pretty difficult. Well let's take a look at the NL wildcard standings then. Um right now Atlanta has the first spot by a healthy amount. The Padres have the second amount, and then tied for the third spot are the Phillies and Cardinals. The Giants are a half game out as we sit right now. Um, so that's it. It's probably going to come down to those teams, plus you know the Mets 
uh, if they don't win the division with the Braves. It'll be the winner of the NL East is going to get the top wild card, um, and then the I, you would think the second team in the NL West is going to get the second wild card, rather that be the Padres or the uh, Giants. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, there's the Marlins at five and a half out. Don't think they're going to compete. Rockies six and a half. I don't really think there's any question with those teams. They're not very good. Um, so, yeah. you know, we've kind of gone over all the teams. So with all that being said, what is your World Series matchup as we're at the All-Star break? Uh, because I'm pretty sure mine was White Sox-Dodgers preseason. And, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that again. You know, mine might have been Yankees-Dodgers. Um, That's a good one. But I don't know if it was. Um, but mine's going to be Yankees-Dodgers <laughs> now. I hate to be Figured. unoriginal as hell. Figured. But – what else are you going to do, man? Both these teams are ridiculous. Um, I mean, like, they're going to add more, too, right? The, the Yankees, oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and it's just like, how do you even add on to a team like this already? They, they're they literally... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you get rid of Joey Gallo. Imagine yeah. if someone starts producing in Joey Gallo's spot. And they still are barely north of 20 losses. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's uh, it's completely ridiculous what they're doing in New York. Twenty eight losses. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go Yankees in the American League as well. As unoriginal as that is, they're just so damn good. The only team I could even see competing with them in the playoffs is Houston. That's the only one. But the Yankees are on another level right now. And then when you look yeah. at uh, the National League, man. The Dodgers, there's part of me that likes the Dodgers, right? Obviously, they're 60 and 30. They're damn good. But I'm going to go with the Mets. I'm going to go with the Mets to come out of the National League. And I'm going to do that because look how good they've been this season without DeGrom. Like, that's the crazy part. Once he comes back and you have DeGrom and Scherzer in the same rotation, that's tough to beat in the playoffs, man. Especially in a best of three. Those are two guys going back to back. Good luck. And then the lineup for the Mets, you've got Alonzo, you've got Francisco Lindor, you've got just a stacked lineup. Mark Canna's been having a good year. You've got a really good team there. And look, the Dodgers probably have a better overall roster, but I don't think anybody has a better one-two pitch combo than Scherzer and DeGrom when healthy. So I'm going to pick the Mets. I'm going a little outside. Would I put my life on it? No. I'd put the Dodgers there, but... For the sake of today's entertainment, I'm going to go Mets-Yankees, and I think the Yankees win. Yeah, well, the Mets are damn good, too, so you're not really the taking All-New York here. World Series, I'm going for it, and I think... Subway uh, Series? I think it's all Subway right. Series. I think the Yankees, though. I can get- the Yankees are so good, man. I, it's insane. Like, I figured they'd be good, but they are so good. It is yeah. ridiculous. They, like, they have... And they're pitching. I mean, you got to bring up Cole... Hector, uh, what's his name? Nortez. That dude's been insane. Like, who the hell even was that guy? Just an insane rotation for the Yankees this year. It's been ridiculous uh, how good they are. They're, I think, 63-28. and 28. They have the third best record since 1933 at the All-Star break. And, like, what the hell? That doesn't even make sense. And there's been less games when you consider that the, there was a, a late start to the season. So they, they make no sense. They, I, I don't know. If they don't win this year in the postseason, if they somehow do not win the World Series this year, or if they don't get to the World Series this year, people have to be fired. Because that is way too good. <laughs> yeah. It is way too good of a team to not make the World Series. It's just way too good. Yeah, well, that the crazy reality of it is is that like they still only have like a 60% chance in any given series because baseball is whack as hell. Baseball is whack, oh. and... You, you can lose so easily, as the Royals showed you when they beat teams that they shouldn't have beat. You, you can just – it's a wild game, yep. man. That's why, that's why yep. the MLB playoffs are so fun because it's just like no matter what, no matter how good a team is, no matter how dominant a team is, they can lose. And I guess that's the same in every sport, but it just feels like baseball it happens more often than not. Tampa yep. last year went – 96 and 66 i think or even better i think they might have won 100 and they got bounced in the first round so it just it's weird i'm excited for the new playoff format though yeah oh yes 100 percent agree and once again i've always been team playoff expansion because like in the event that the royals somehow ever get good enough again 
they're going to need all the help they can get. Um, so yep. the more spots, the better, right? Yeah. Um, there's not much in the NBA going on right now. Things are kind of stale. Uh, if anything yeah. happens, we'll be Kevin Durant going to be traded is the question. Yeah, we're still stuck on that. I will say this. Didn't get to – didn't even bring this up. Kind of went past my mind. What do you think of the Royals draft from what you know? I mean, obviously, we're not super in on these kids. We'll probably have to have Royals Farm on in the next few weeks to talk about this. But what do you think of Gavin Cross in the first round at nine? Yeah, so the guy we got at nine, like, I feel like we got a pretty good player there, right? I mean, who knows – anything about baseball but it we picked the guy that makes sense um you know i don't want to like doom frank mazzucato but like what we did last year i think was a little bit annoying uh so the fact that we strayed away from that um even though it seems like we kind of did it a little bit in the later rounds um whatever man that that's fine so uh, it seems like we at least behaved like a normal team for the (laughs) most part um so i'm happy enough what did you think about Kumar Rocker at three? Because that was really yeah, that the, was the pick that right? I had no like no clue that was even a possibility. Yeah, I didn't even know he was in the draft, to be honest. I thought that like <laughs> he was like Gonzo or some shit. That, that, um, that reminds me of your Trey Lance thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Trey Lance thing, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like I don't want to say the same thing happened with Kumar Rocker, but I didn't realize like it was that extent. I always thought he was more like light skin. I'm not saying like in a way. I just like was also kind of surprised. For by those that. that don't know, John 2021 draft when Trey Lance got drafted had no idea what Trey Lance looked like, and yeah, I guess just assumed no, I he was like- white. I had, like, actually scouted all the quarterbacks besides him because, like, for whatever reason, I was just like, eh, this Trey Lance guy I don't like. Uh, And by scouted, I mean, like, watched 30 minutes of their YouTube highlights or whatever. Um, um, Yeah, they just didn't know Trey Lance was black. Yeah. I was just I was pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly Um, surprised? (laughs) What are you talking about? Dude, what are you talking about? From North Dakota. Like... <laughs> yeah, Bro, I, I was, dude. I was like certain that Trey Lance from North Dakota was like a super white dude. That was like it's a, a white. It, it's you know it, it is a not. This kind of sounds wrong, but it's kind of like a white name. Like it's like Alex Smith. Like you just expect yeah. It's them a to very be... white name. Like it's, the it's name a very was Caucasian so white, name. I was like, the name was so white that I was like, ah, it's like Kevin Love. I loved it's like, Wilson, but that was because. That was because a certain member of this podcast was a little too passionate in his uh, hot takes. Um, yeah, I just didn't realize at the time. But yeah, but yeah, Kumar I, at three I was insane. Now. Kumar at three was insane. The the Rangers yeah. took a huge swing there. That is franchise altering if you mess that up at number three. And now I can't. Yeah, say but it's, it's much the worse player than... that everyone's always acted like he is. Yeah, yeah. Than... I mean... And if if that's if that's the case, then the Mets are really going to look stupid for not signing him last year. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, that would be kind of silly if he turned out to be this ace and the Mets wouldn't sign him last year because they were worried about his arm. And they took first of all, you can't take a guy in the first round if you're worried about him, and they'd be like, "Well, we're not signing you." Like that never. Yeah, made especially any sense. when his agent is Scott Boris. <laughs> like, I don't know what what they were thinking with that one yeah like, I, oh maybe he'll take a discount no 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 that's not how scott if you're looking at Juan soto right now it's not how scott boras works you, you, you the second i saw that soto turned down 440 million i was like yep scott that's scott boras i didn't even know that was his agent i was like that's boras and sure enough that's scott boras yep yeah absolutely uh, i mean he he operates he's ruthless as hell um, I like they went bats though. They've actually done a good job drafting bats recently. Um, yeah, I so can I give like credit. That. Um, second pick was Cade Wallace, third baseman out of Arkansas. Uh, I really don't watch a ton of college baseball, but from uh, my friends that go to Arkansas, apparently he's pretty damn good. So that's good, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I thought they did a good job. I thought overall. I just was happy, like you said, that they took best player available. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't seem like we were trying to be smarter than everyone else, no, right? No, it wasn't like, oh, um, we know something they don't. No, it was, 
is a pretty calm game. It was a pretty calm draft. It was pretty like, okay, this is what the boards say. We're gonna we're gonna go with that. And I'll take it. I mean, not that that nece- not that that's even necessarily the best strategy, but right comparison to picking people that no one's like the <laughs> hosts haven't even yeah the hosts haven't even heard of like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure um okay well that's about all we have for this week uh kind of in the dog days of the summer right now we don't have any basketball we don't have any football and yet right now we don't even have any baseball so we really don't have a ton to talk about but this shit this podcast is already at an hour so we filled we filled some time today uh do you have a d4 to the week john um <laughs> well i mean can, honestly it can like, be it can go back to last week as well can i be dayton more again was yeah. dayton more the one last week i don't even remember who your d ford was last week okay well honestly it, it, like, was, either, it was either dayton last Moore. week or the week before it was the supreme court uh, am I, no you did the supreme court two weeks in a row dayton more if you can encourage players to not watch porn you can encourage them to get the vaccine we can encourage Come on them that's true, but he can't force them. No, he can't force them. But at the same time, the man, same way like, that our, I guarantee you, our that... organization saying that we don't care whether you get it or not has at least somewhat cost us in the trade market and made us look like a bunch of idiots on a national stage. So, yeah, I I will go Dayton more. That's fair. Um, I was gonna go Merrifield this week. Um, just for his comments about being on a contender he would get vaccinated but since he's not he's not gonna do it uh he says you know well, that, that, too. that was taken out of context he can say whatever you want it you, you said it and it just can't say that you can't say that thing you that's just you can feel that way you can't say it it's just the reality of the situation is you cannot come out and say that when you're on the royals when you get yeah, traded it, you can be like totally i got vaccinated because i wanted to contend but you can't say that while you're on the royals Yep, and he totally faked an injury. I have no doubts See, in my mind. that's what I was thinking, too. And look, I'm not going to try and be a conspiracy theorist on this podcast because this is not a conspiracy podcast. But when you think about it, Dayton – or not Dayton. Whit Merrifield knew he wasn't going to be able to play in Toronto. Like it, Yeah, like it, the organization has had people aware of this. I guarantee and it. And they like, had to get – if they wanted to play in Toronto, I think they had to get their first shot two weeks prior to the series. So it was 100% at that point he was not going to play in Toronto. It would make a lot more sense to have him be injured and lose the streak than have him lose the streak because of not getting vaccinated. It would have been a horrific public it would have been a, a horrific PR look if it was because Yeah, of like imagine if that if amidst all the shitstorm of him not being able to play in the first place he loses his like games played but even if the injury is legit which there's a very it can be that's true in the same sense that it could be a real injury he didn't predict he was going to get injured so what did he do he knew that he was going to force he's going to forfeit the games played streak he knew that was going to happen even if he didn't get injured he knew that so like In, in a sense he really did choose he literally chose also, to lose the longest streak in baseball over not getting vaccinated because he it was the longest streak since 2007 and i'm sorry but when a toe injury is enough to like make you entirely um miss a miss a game it usually isn't something that just gets better after two days like it's usually like you did like yeah. ligament damage or something um and yeah it's just it's all too convenient there wasn't like a specific moment that you saw him get hurt, he just like grabs it at one point. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like he literally was like, "All right, let me get this little video clip of me like looking like I have discomfort in my foot." Yeah. It looked like the video game animation for when you get hurt. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I am just pretty convinced that he pretty much saved his own ass with that. Um. Yeah. Annoying. Annoying. Yeah. Well, can't prove it, but just a thought. No can't prove it but i'm pretty confident i mean he's gonna be back first game like it's gonna be like nothing happened oh yeah well, when we play friday he'll be back like how convenient is that he misses like two games so that it's not deliberately like obvious OG. yeah yeah see i thought i was crazy for thinking this at first before we talked about it i was like yeah this is this is probably just me on my like conspiracy arc because i do like to like 
think about I, I do like conspiracy theories in general so i was like this is probably just my mind trying to like think deeper than it is but now that i've talked about it with you i'm like yeah yeah it kind of makes sense also like i bet you he was a little bit annoyed that the royals wouldn't put him on the injured list yeah because and as much as that might might make the conspiracy deeper like by if he could have convinced them enough to put him on the 10-day il he would have avoided the controversy and would have gotten uh, to get paid instead of missing Toronto. Yeah, shout and out I to like, Date. I will say shout out to Dayton Moore for not putting those guys on the injured list so they didn't get paid. Yeah, because they, cause they like, didn't deserve to get paid. They did not deserve to get paid. Yeah, and we can ask the same question with Michael A. Taylor too, with him supposedly getting hurt pitching. Um, that's a little more believable. Yeah, that one's like, definitely more. There's believable, no reason they would have sat him leading up to the series. Because and he, like he kind of he kind of did throw like a bunch of freaking actual way fastballs. too hard. He threw way too hard. Yeah, he threw way too many pitches. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah I see what you're saying there. Uh, yeah, but I'm happy he also Dayton, didn't I'm have like Dayton a, like streak on the line. It's it's just good that Dayton didn't forgive them and be like, oh, you guys don't have to lose your money like here. And that would have pissed me off really bad. Yeah, so, that would have made it look worse for everybody, man. Yeah. So at least they did that right. But, uh, yeah, I think that's probably all for today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you know, get ready because football season is right around the corner, and that's when we push out our most content. Uh, our Chiefs' reactions every week are just honestly priceless. If you go back and listen to them, they are freaking hilarious. Um, the overreactions, especially if we do them on a Monday, are awesome. So just be ready for that because it's coming right around the corner. Anything you want to say before we sign off, John? Uh, I really got nothing for you. Oh, and Sam Horn is going to be a Missouri Tiger for my Mizzou. Fans. Yes. We'll get into Epic. that later. But uh, we'll get into that in future episodes. But he he's going to be a Missouri Tiger. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you on next week's episode. Peace.